1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive, as I'm taught the Word of God, my life has changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. We've been in this series this year, The Truth About Money. I think it had been either six or eight years since we taught about money on a Sunday morning, so we were overdue. And when we headed into this, we didn't know we were headed into a year of uh, such a mess with the coronavirus and the lockdowns, but I'm here to testify that God has protected us, and God has blessed us, and God has prospered us, even in 2020. Our two launching texts have been Matthew 6.21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom. And his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. Dr. Lester Summerall taught me that if a man's not right with his money, that man's not right. And that does not just, that, that does not just have to do with our posture toward God, but also toward our spouse, toward our children. And he told me as a pastor, if you don't have a man's money, you don't have that man's heart. And so the purpose of prosperity for the Christian believer is to be a blessing. And since the purpose of prosperity for the Christian believer is to be a blessing, of course Satan opposes it. And he'll try and do everything he can to stop you from getting blessed. Because he wants to stop you from being a blessing. And Christians have, by and large, bought this. I I was listening to this week, watching this week, uh, Fred Price's message, and he said, where did Christians learn all of this, that we ought not have anything, that we ought not uh, drive new cars, that we ought not live in new houses? He said, we learned all of that in churches. And, uh, you know, God's people heard it, God's people believed it, God's people confessed it, then God's people acted like it, And so God's people got it. But that's not what you find in the Word of God. You find in the Word of God that He is a God of blessing, and He blesses His children. Amen? Say it out loud. God blesses His children. So we're going to give these points as we go through the message for the sake of time. If you have a Bible, let's go to 2 Corinthians 9. 
Point number one, faith and prosperity are about action, taking action on the Word of God. Faith and prosperity are about action, taking action on the Word of God. Tithing and giving money into the gospel isn't the only way we can take action on the Word of God, but tithing and giving money into the gospel is one way we can take action on the Word of God. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 1, There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the saints, for I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. So Paul is bragging on this church, and you have to remember that this is the exact same church in his first letter that he chastised because they were out of control. And there was a man in the church that had his stepmother as his wife, his father's wife as his wife. Now, the second letter to Corinth was lost. What we call 2 Corinthians is actually the third letter. So some time has gone by. They must have made some corrections because now Paul is bragging on this church to others. And he's bragging about their enthusiasm. And he's saying that the enthusiasm for giving of the Corinthian church has stirred these churches in Achaia to action. So it's about action. And when I was a young man, I learned a lot just from this phrase, and I saw that my job was to stir people to action. Because if you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep getting the results you've been getting. So faith and prosperity are about action, taking action on the Word of God. Tithing and giving money into the gospel isn't the only way we can take action on the Word of God, but tithing and giving money into the gospel is one way we can take action on the Word of God. Number two, the Apostle Paul planned offerings and arranged offerings. The Apostle Paul planned offerings and arranged offerings. Now, this church has grown so much, and I'm not talking about numerically or financially, even though the church has grown numerically and financially, but this church has grown so much spiritually, you're going to have trouble relating to what I'm telling you. It was actually this point right here that for years I searched my hard drive trying to find because I knew that I had done a message that talked about how Paul planned offerings. And I knew where the reference was, but I wanted to see my own notes. And some way, somehow, it was in the last couple of months, I remembered a phrase from this message and then was able to find this on my hard drive. It was from 1997. And the Lord reminded me that in those years, in the mid-90s, as long as I was raising money to pay off our first church building up at I-30, I, I didn't hear any complaints. But it was February of 1997, I was preaching a crusade in Mombasa, Kenya, and the Lord challenged me to give the holdup on Bud Sickler, missionary Bud Sickler's building project was the roof. Because it was such a large building, he couldn't just start and build it as the money came in because just the roof was estimated to be $500,000 turned into $600,000, which we gave. 
but that was February of 97. And I said yes to the Lord. See, the reason a lot of people are believers and heaven will be their home, but they're not so blessed in this life, they have never found the fortitude within themselves to say yes to God. Now, you might wonder why I'm very cavalier toward 2021, 2022, 2023, 2024. Well, it's because I know more than I did. When we went into 2009, 10, 11, 12, and so forth, I didn't know as much then as I know now. But I got this thing down. I stood right there in the Holy Week Revival, and I just followed the leading of the Holy Spirit of God, and some crazy things came out of my mouth. Now, when I was a young man, I would second-guess myself on some crazy things that came out of my mouth under the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. But as, as I put some decades on, I have just come to trust the crazy things that come out of my mouth when I'm under the anointing of God, and I just stayed with it. And I said that we had immunity from this virus. I said that this pestilence would pass us right on by. I said this past pestilence would pass Faith Christian Center, St. Paul's Preparatory Academy, I, right on by. I said we would pay this church off this year. I said this will be the biggest year we've ever had. I mean, in the midst of a lockdown. And then I remembered a lesson I learned from Kenneth Hagin. He said, I have learned this lesson. It is only when I boldly confess that I receive from God what I want. See, you know what we want to do? We want to make our confessions like we pray over our food in public. Jesus, blood is the food. <laughs> and, and hedge our bets. You go back and watch it. Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. I, I was out there. But everything I said has come to pass. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. <laughs> Good and bad. I stood right there, mid-2019, and I warned, I warned, I said, you cannot take credit for the stock market highs. You cannot take credit for every good thing. And, and everything be okay. I told you, trouble's coming. Well, I didn't know what kind of trouble, but I was right on. And when I'm gone, you will know one thing. A prophet has been among you. So, he challenged me to put the roof on Bud Sickler's church. Started out at $500,000. I found out later it was $600,000. And we did it. But if I remember right, I looked that month up, January 1997, if I remember right, the church had on hand, <clears throat> January 31, 1997, $157,000. So we didn't have a half million dollars to give, let alone 600. So I had to raise it as we gave it. And that's when criticism started. Hard to believe, isn't it? Because this church has grown in maturity. Hard to believe, isn't it? 
Nobody was upset. Nobody complained when I was raising money for their church, their church building. But now I started raising money to give away. And so that's why in 1997, I did this message back up there at I-30. And I pointed out right here, the Apostle Paul planned offerings and arranged offerings. Look at verse 3. But I am sending the brothers... See, you can't send the brothers to collect an offering without planning and arranging. But I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready to give as I said you would be. For if, it, for if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So he's, he's uh, let's just be honest. There's some pressure here. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance. So when we announce an offering's coming up, when we do slides about an offering coming up, when we do video testimonies about an offering coming up, we're just following the pattern of the Apostle Paul. But actually, we're, we're gentler and more loving and kinder because we do everything we do with no pressure. I mean that. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. And this proves that the Apostle Paul planned and arranged special offerings. Then he says, then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. And there's a lot of truth about money in here. Generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. A generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Kenneth Hagin used to say, God loves a cheerful giver, not a tearful giver. God loves a cheerful giver, not a fearful giver. A generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Number three, number three, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Picking up in verse six, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. See, the farmer is in charge of the harvest. It is the farmer who decides what kind of seed to sow, and it is the farmer who decides how much seed to sow, so you are in charge of your harvest. My grandfather had a 180-acre farm. There would have been no use in him planting 10 acres of cotton and complaining that he didn't reap 180 acres of corn. My grandfather chose what to sow, and he chose how much to sow. So he was in charge of his harvest. See, the further we get from the land, collectively, the dumber we get. And this is true in every area. You know, we lease the 20 acres across the road to keep the ag exemption, and they have longhorns out there now. Anybody, anybody from the country knows if you put two bulls in a pasture, ain't nothing going to happen. But if you have a DED from an Ivy League school, you get so stupid, you believe something's going to happen. 
You got to go to school a long time to get that stupid. Everybody knows you put two heifers on that 20 acres over there, locked up, they're locked up, they got to deal with each other, that's it, two heifers, ain't nothing going to happen. You have to get a master's degree and a doctorate degree either in a so-called social science or education to get that stupid. The land. Because the same genius architect that designed the laws of the earth is the exact same genius architect that designed the laws of prosperity. How do I know that? Because of the language of the Apostle Paul. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. It is amazing how many agricultural illustrations there are in the New Testament to New Testament truths. When you see the earth, see, our generation worships the earth and learns nothing from the earth. You and I don't worship the earth. We worship the creator of the earth, but we learn lessons from the earth. We've got a maple in the backyard, and it's beautiful. It's uh, kind of a beautiful crimson color. Well, if I didn't have a calendar, didn't have an iPhone, didn't have a watch, didn't have a clock, I would know it was fall. There are seasons of life. We were somewhere in an airport. This was years ago. And uh, there was a guy there about my age, seemed to be about my age, and he had this young chippy with him. And uh, he was holding this little baby. And I said to my wife, I said, you see that? Yeah? What about it? I said, you see that? Yeah? I said, I'll never do that. There's a season to life. Amen. Amen. And my burping days are behind me. God bless. God bless. Amen. Amen. I was young and I did all that. And uh, it's great. But, but I'm in a different season. Now I just offer them all Klondike bars you know, and uh, send them home. <laughs> Amen? Amen? And then sleep the sleep of the righteous, which I need more of lately. <laughs> there are seasons. See, we can look, to, we don't worship the earth. Our generation worships the earth while they're killing babies. They worship the earth. We don't worship the earth. We worship the God who created the earth. Yes. But we can look at the earth and we can find truth. Yes. Because of the architect of the earth. It's the same, same architect of these principles of sowing and reaping. And, and, and the principles of sowing and reaping are not just about money. How about love? Let me tell you something if you haven't figured it out. This generation is utterly corrupt. Utterly corrupt. We didn't know the medical establishment was utterly corrupt. We found out in 2020, even the medical establishment is utterly corrupt. 
The seed of Adam is in everything, and it's utterly corrupt. It can't be redeemed. The farmer is in charge of the harvest. It is the farmer who decides what kind of seed to sow and how much seed to sow. So you are in charge of your harvest. Stop talking about all these external factors. It doesn't have anything to do with anything. You are in charge of your harvest. Say it, uh, tell your neighbor, you're in charge of your harvest. Tell the neighbor on the other side, stop complaining. You're in charge of your harvest. Number four, each man should give what he has decided to give. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Each, this is verse 7. In fact, I just stole it from the Word of God. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Shout it out loud five times. God loves a cheerful giver. 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 Six times okay, too. Yeah. Number five, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all times that having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Again, right out of the Bible, verses 8 and 9. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Number six, you simply cannot backslide prospering biblically. Number six, you simply cannot backslide prospering biblically. Look at verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You know why you can't backslide prospering biblically? Because if you work 2 Corinthians 9, year by year, you have more and more and more invested. You're not going to walk away from a great, big, huge, monstrous investment. You simply cannot backslide prospering biblically because Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Number seven, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and throughout your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Tiff Shuttlesworth called me a few weeks ago and he said, I'll tell you exactly why your building's going to be paid off this year. I'll tell you exactly why you're having the biggest year you've ever had in the history of the church financially. I said, go ahead. He said, everybody has stopped giving. He said, everybody has cut their giving. He said, most churches have cut us off completely. But he said, Faith Christian Center didn't even trim the sails. Hallelujah. Didn't even hedge our bets. Hallelujah. Just kept trucking. Amen. <laughs> Somebody may get this. It doesn't matter what they're doing. I don't care if they find Ebola in Dallas Monday 
and the commies take over on Tuesday. It has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with us. Lift both hands and say, thank you, Father God. You protect me. Thank you, Father God. You bless me. Thank you, Father God. You prosper me. See, the problem is, really, a lot of the church has had the wrong God. Literally. Literally. You know, and I, I thank God. When I was a very young man, I met Finest Jennings Dake, and, you know, I, the, before that, my pastor was M.D. Beale, just old school, old school, old school, old school. Just go with God, just go with God, just go with the Word of God, just stay with the Word of God. Don't veer off the Word of God. Don't veer off, don't veer off. Don't have other loyalties, don't have other gods. Just stay with the Word, just stay with the Word, just stay with the Word. Well, look at where we are. Because really, frankly, I think a lot of stuff is just a distraction. Still in Texas, still in Texas, even with all the overcounting, still in Texas, the coronavirus has killed less than half the people of the 2017-18 flu season. Less than half. Now, am I saying it's not real? It's real. I'm saying the response was a scam. Is the virus real? Absolutely. But 45% of everybody who's died nationwide died in nursing homes in those five states where those uh, governors sent sick people to nursing homes. My mom's in a nursing home. Who sends sick people to nursing homes? And then 94% of everybody who died of this has had a comorbidity. What does that mean? They died with it. They didn't die from it. I saw a young man was in a motorcycle wreck in Florida. He died of COVID. I mean, the list is endless. Now, I'm not making light of the 230,000 who have died, although in that same time frame, 720,000 babies have been murdered in their mother's womb, and nobody's, nobody's crying about that. And the average age of the COVID death is 78, and the average age of being murdered in the womb is zero. It's about time we had some sympathy for the one that never had a shot. And, and here's some of y'all wondering, I wonder how come it's all so jacked up. The shedding of innocent blood, yes. will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? Yes. The annual Bible reading, I think it was in Ezekiel, he was so irritated with Judah. See, those, those northern ten tribes, they had already gone off, served other gods, they went into captivity, and God tried to talk some sense into them in the south and Judah and Benjamin. And finally there came a point. They crossed some Rubicon. They, it was, it, no revival was going to save them. 
And I believe it's in Ezekiel, God said, even if Moses and Noah and Job stood before me and pled your case, I would not relent. But he said they could save themselves. And man, I had a visual picture of Faith Christian Center. There's an umbrella of faith over this congregation. There's an umbrella of faith over this church. I saw it. I saw it. We can't, we can't change Austin. We can't change Washington. We, have, we, we don't have any power to do that, but we can save ourselves. Amen. Lift your hands. Say, thank you, Father God. You protect me. Thank you, Father God. You bless me. Thank you, Father God. You prosper me. Amen. Amen. Verse number seven, number seven, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That's what Tiff was doing. He was, he was giving thanksgiving to God for our generosity. Can you see that? Now, if we were going broke, we couldn't send that money. He told me, a couple of weeks back, he said, it's really humbling. He said, I wish I had met you sooner. He said, if I had met you sooner, I could have reached my goal of winning one million souls to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's humbling. But I believe we can prosper and send more and he will reach that goal. Rich simply means amply supplied. Rich simply means having more than you need. Verse 11, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Number eight, sowing and reaping is God's plan to fund his work, his mission, and his house without it costing his children anything. And this is what God's people have failed to see. Listen to what I'm saying. Sowing and reaping is God's plan to fund his work, his mission, and his house without costing his children anything. We have not seen this. We haven't seen it. Now, I'm always careful to say, I understand people can't start where I'm at, but that does not negate the fact that I started. You've heard me tell the story about the first big gift we gave above and beyond the tithe. that was 1977, our first year of marriage. It was $1,400. So we started. And God's people have trouble starting. But you're not going to get down the road unless you start. And, and you're not going to see the harvest you ought to get from your, sowed, your seed sowing if you're complaining about it. We see that in the passage. God loves a cheerful giver, not a gift given grudgingly. God's people just don't see it. See, I looked at a list Tuesday. I had the office draw up a list of everybody who had given into the challenge offering since December 31st, two thousand. 17, and then sort descending. And y'all might look at that list and say, oh, they, they gave that much because they make a lot of money. You missed the whole thing. You missed the whole thing. Because everybody at the top of that list, when I met them, including me, had nothing. They had nothing. Or... 
Some of them, when I met them, they were underwater because of divorces or the IRS or whatever. You're missing the whole point. They don't give all that money because they make a lot of money. They make a lot of money because back somewhere they started. Can you see that? And except for me, at the top of that list, I don't think there's that many college degrees. So it's not like doctors or, you know, veterinarians or dentists or lawyers or whatever. Now, I'm not saying they can't come up, but they're not going to beat somebody with a high school degree who's got a willing heart and mashes the accelerator. Say it out loud. I'm in charge of my harvest. Amen. God's people have missed this. They just have missed this. Amen. They just have missed this. Sowing and reaping is God's plan to fund his work, his mission, and his house without it costing his children anything. And God's people have missed this. Verses 12 to 15. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God because of the service by which you have proved yourselves. Men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given to you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. People will be in heaven because we were faithful. People will be in heaven because we stretched. People will be in heaven because we gave. People will be in heaven because we didn't just care about ourselves. We cared about God's work, God's mission, and God's house. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again, and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.